right. Well, here we go. Good morning once again. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at Downtown Community, and it is great to be with you as we are broadcasting live here in downtown Jersey City. And it is great to be with you as we are now continuing our series called My Story. And if you've been with us, you know, you know that we've been talking about how the story of 2020 so far has been, um, you know, we're giving it one star. We're not really excited about this. It's been challenging and, and you know, all these different things. The world has been turned upside down. Uh, anything that you can say. And then we've got an amazing group of memes that are just kind of expressing our frustration and in a comedic way. And they're fun. I love walking through them. But there's also... Uh, a lot of incredibly serious things happening in our world today. Daniel mentioned it earlier, and just this week it feels like um, all of them happening at once again with natural disasters happening and people suffering there. And then the continued injustices that we are seeing in our world um, that we're very angry about, and we know it's not going away. And, and so the story that we're hearing and we're experiencing has not been fun. And so today, I want us to continue to encourage one another and to encourage you um, to know that we have someone that we can go to with our troubles and when things are bad. And we have someone that we can know that he is working and using all things together for good. And we are learning to trust Christ with our story. And I want to continue to help us do this. It's easy to disengage. It's easy to pull back. In fact, that's, for a lot of us, that's what we want to do. You know, the foundations that we've been standing on are crumbling. And we've been experiencing that, that the hope that we put our lives in has been completely stripped away from many of us. Or it's just been a struggle, and that's created hardship for us. And so we've been saying, and, and the culture around us constantly says, your life is meaningful if you're happy. Your life is meaningful if it's easy. You know, your life is meaningful if things are, are working out the way that they're supposed to. Like if you encounter a problem, great, but then, you know, that's supposed to eventually work out. But what this year has been like is it's not been working out. And we're ready to go on Yelp. We're ready to go on Google Reviews and say, them this, 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 don't go, go back to this year anymore again. <laughs> that's the kind of mindset we're having because what we are expecting for easiness, for happiness, for things to work out, whatever it may be, it's not happening. And so therefore, we don't know what to do. So many of our, our jobs, so many of our modern advancements were all centered around the fact that we can solve a problem. But it's not being solved as easily as we would thought, we, we thought it could be. I think that's frustrating and that's hard. But God is not distant or far away in times like this. He's not just standing over on the side observing. But it's easy for us to feel, and it's easy for us to pull away. But I want you to know that we serve a God that's not based upon our happiness or anything like this. We serve a God who stepped into our mess, the mess that we've created, our brokenness and our sin and how we have hurt one another and how we have moved away from God. It has created all this brokenness, but he didn't just step away. He stepped into this problem. And it's why we exist today. It's why we're singing the words that we've been singing today, that we have hope in the midst of darkness. 
When Jesus came, he stepped into a world that was incredibly dark, darker than the one that we are experiencing today. But there's a lot of similarities. He stepped into this darkness and ultimately proved that we have hope beyond hope because he proved that he was the Son of God by the miracles that he performed. And then he died. He was put to death as the scriptures foretold hundreds of years before in exact detail, an unbelievable timing. And then just like he said that he would, three days later he rose from the grave, defeating death in the grave, proving that he was the Son of God in front of hundreds and hundreds of witnesses. There's incredible facts and things that we can still stand on today with absolute assurance. And what does that do for us? It means that we have hope that no matter what's happening now, that not even death can pull us away. In death, in Christ, those of us who are in Christ, in death, we have victory. We win. And that means that you can trust his story in you. In the scriptures it says, in Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. He is stepping in to our lives with purpose and direction. He has been weaving and working in a story in our lives. He gave us free will, and we rejected that, and that brought sin and brokenness into the world. But God is using all things. He has redeemed us from this brokenness so that we might experience forgiveness and then be part of this great story. In James, we've talked about this. In James, it says, consider troubles. Consider hardship as an opportunity for great joy. So we're changing the story. We're changing the story in 2020. We're going to start making decisions today that impact our future. But we have to be intentional about this. And we have to decide that Jesus is the Son of God. And let's begin to put him at the center of our story. If you are someone who is not of faith and you're pursuing what it means to follow Christ, then this is great. This is an opportunity for you to begin to pursue him and to figure out and find out who he is and hear his word to us and hear how he's been leading us and begin to take steps towards him. That's exactly how Jesus led us when he came and when he was here. He didn't make them believe everything right off the bat. He invited them into a journey. What a better time than right now to do this. And for those of us who believe in Jesus, and we're going through struggles, it's an opportunity for you to experience the incredible depth of his love. We sang this today, how deep, how wide is the depth of his love for us. And in times of hardship, it's, it's, an, it's an incredible opportunity to experience that and maybe in a way you never have. And so what do we do? We step in to this with him. With your story, we have intention, right? We want things to go well. We want to engage this well. We want the story in the future to turn out well. And we're going to begin to take steps. We're going to do this. But we need to understand today as we move forward in this series is that direction, not intention, 
determines your destination of where you're going. Like we can have great intention as far as what we want to do, but the direction you're actually headed in is what's going to get you to that direction. Like I can have great intentions to work out, to get in shape, you know, to, to pay attention to the little physical things in my life that are telling me, hey, this isn't going so well. You should do something different. I have great intentions to do that, but my direction is not that. What I'm doing each day is not that. I don't have a disciplined workout routine or I'm not you know, consistently going to physical therapists or something like that that needs to work out a specific issue. Today, this week, I was reading about the, the, the effects of Hurricane Laura that hit uh, Louisiana especially hard on the border there of Texas. And you know, as you know, they were warning people that were in the direct line of this high category four hurricane coming straight towards them. You have to get out. Like, you will not survive. You need to get out. And they were interviewing people that, did, that completely ignored this. And there was a couple, they were interviewing them, and, and, and she said, you know, they hunkered down in a bathroom or somewhere, and a tree fell into that room, like it was in the, and they barely escaped death. And they talked about how the houses around them were not even there, that they were incredibly lucky to survive. And then she said this, she goes, yeah, it was a dumb decision. I think that was the quote. It was a dumb decision. Like, we will never stay in a hurricane again. It was dumb. That was the word that they said. Their intention was to survive. They weren't trying, like, they, would, they were trying, their intention was to stay alive. But the direction that they were heading toward was not that. And that's the way it is for you and me, right? Like, we have to understand that the decisions that we make today determine the stories that we are going to tell tomorrow. The decisions you make today are determining the stories that you tell tomorrow. So let's begin to change the story of 2020. Let's look back on this day and write a new meme, create a new meme about how everything turned around. And we thought it was going to be bad, but no, we, we did it in about face. We can look back on this time of hardship and look on it with joy and treasure it, the perseverance and the things that we learn. Our hope is not whether we're, we have lots of food or we have you know, great income or any of those things, whether it's that or we're in famine and we're in hardship, our hope in Christ is always the same. So let's begin to trust him with this story that has been going on from the very beginning. And he wants you to know that you can trust him for the future as well. So how do we live this story worth telling? Well, in this series, we're doing four, four simple steps. All right, last week we started with this. We, we have four things. We, we are making decisions to start, to stop, to stay, and go. Last week, we, we began with start. That's a good one to start with, right? And so we're, we were learning to start disciplines that are important. And specifically, I'm like, if we're learning to trust Christ, trust his word, if you're if someone who's, who say, I'm not a follower of Christ, well, this is the beginning steps for you to begin to hear from him. I encourage you to begin to read through the Gospel of John. I talked about how we need to begin to incorporate daily prayer 
this scripture into your life. And I encourage you to do that in a very simple way. If this is not a daily habit for you, then just simple prayers. How can you begin to, to engage God? Look to the future of what you're longing to see. What are you struggling with? Just begin a conversation with Him. That's all it has to be. And to begin to read scripture, you need to begin to hear from Him. Now I say this, simple disciplines. We looked at Daniel last week and, and the scriptures of him and how his consistency put him in a place to have a foundation for when troubles came, he was good. But me, if I, I just I was I was reflecting this morning as I was getting ready for the day, and this last week was not great as far as my spiritual disciplines. The week got really busy. And I wasn't cons consistent. So I I need to continue to be reminded of this. I just want to let you know that we're all in this together. But we need to begin to reset our priorities. Let's put Christ at the front of this. We need to start simple decisions, disciplines. Today, we're going to learn what it means to stop. And this is such an important principle. We're learning how to stop. And I want to take us to a scripture today. It's, it's a phenomenal passage. It's actually a great leadership passage. If you're in business and you're in, in the job of leading others or just you know, organizing in your life, self-discipline, whatever it may be, you run your own business, this is a great passage for anybody, but just for how you live your life personally. I want to walk us through a passage where Moses was overwhelmed. He didn't know what to do, and he learned the principle of what it means to stop. I'm going to read this. This is found in Exodus chapter 18. And I love the wisdom that this still speaks to us today. And uh, it says here, the next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. And so Moses is, is um, essentially helping make decisions for this entire nation. Like, There's a lot of people. And so it says he's here as judge, and so he's essentially the final say. Like a lot of times in our world, we've got to go to court, and we've got to you know, figure out matters of things. And so you know, this is a lot of these cases. But this was everything from small claims court to large. And so it continues here. It says, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he says, and I love this. You've got to love father-in-laws. No, no issues at all. What is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people just stand around you from morning till evening? So you can imagine this. Last week I had a reference to the DMV, and uh, it kind of sounds like they're at the DMV again. It's like, what is going on here? Like, why are there only one, was there only one teller in the lines, you know, two, three times around the block? Like, morning till evening to get some kind of matter resolved. And so his father-in-law what seems like to be the obvious thing for you and me, if we were standing in as outsiders, like so his father-in-law was an outsider. I want to say this. He was coming to visit. I forgot to mention that. His father-in-law didn't live with him, and he had come to visit. He was with them for a little while, and he begins to see this thing happening where people line up, and it takes all day just to get through the line. So he's like, what are you doing? This is crazy. So Moses answers him. He says, because the people come to me, to seek God's will, whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. So Moses has this great big answer, 
He's like, well, I've got all these things to do. I've been appointed by God to lead this nation. So they've got to come to me, and I'm the one that's interpreting it. That's his perspective on the situation. He's like, only I can do this. And so Moses' father-in-law replied with great wisdom, what you are doing is not good. What a phenomenal phrase. For those of you glass half empty people, you look at the world with reality. You're realistic. You love that statement. <laughs> You're like, finally, somebody said something that's rea you know, reality. This is true. This is fact. And I love that the father-in-law feels comfortable enough with Moses. And maybe this is like all father-in-laws. I don't know. But like, <laughs> just like, hey, this is not good. I know you've got this big explanation and you've brought God into it like he's, he's put you in place and you've got to interpret scriptures, but no, this is not good. What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Now, this is, this could be a totally separate topic if we just pursue the leadership principle of this. I think it states itself, obviously, you, you, in leadership, you can't do everything yourself. And I'm, I'm learning that as a lead pastor of this church. For many of us, the natural disposition is just to take everything on. But there's something else that's far more important here, is the willingness of someone to step in and say those words. What you're doing is not good. There's someone that has to be there to say that. And then for you and me, we have to have and make sure that we have that voice in our lives. Our culture right now, this is the opposite. You can't tell me what to do. Who do you think you are to say that to me? But if you, so just, you know, if you look at the Moses situation, somebody really needed to say that. We need the loving critic. Now you might, you probably have people in your lives that, that are too much of a critic, right? But someone you trust to be able to say, "Hey, this isn't good, and it hurts." And, and you might have your background and history of people that were overbearing with that in your life, that took it too far and were abusive, and it can be very hard to receive that kind of feedback. I want us to, to really see that this was a key part of this story. There's a leadership principle that Moses is learning here, but this is a big part of it. Someone needs to say this, and we need to listen to it. He says, his father-in-law says, it's too heavy for you, cannot handle it alone. And he continues with this. He says, listen now to me, and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Great. So teach them his decrees and instructions so they know what to do, essentially is what he's saying. And show them the way that they are to live and how they are to behave. He's like, so teach them about these things, great. Then he says, but, there's a big thing there, 
Select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands. Appoint them as officials over hundreds. Appoint them over officials over fifties and tens. Here's like here's how you divide this load up. Find people to help do this. Find people who are trustworthy, that you can trust. He says, have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. He says, that will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. They will share that load. There's an opportunity that was coming from Moses learning to stop. And that's such a key part of this. Don't forget this. Hopefully I can come back to this. But there are opportunities that come from when we learn to stop. It will make your old load lighter, he says, because they will share it with you. It creates an opportunity. He says, if you do this and God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain I mean, for you right now, how, how much is the strain on your life? You can't do this alone. We need God first and then others to bring him into the story that he can begin to put you in community. It's amazing what happens when you begin to pray specifically, when you begin to engage our amazing, loving Father, how he wants to bring opportunities to you. He doesn't promise it's going to be easy, but he will begin to help that happen consistently over time. So his father-in-law continues. He says, if you do this, and God's going you'll be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied. That's his intention. His intention all along is that they go home satisfied, but his direction was not that at all. Everybody's frustrated. Standing in a line all day, that sucks. Like, no way. And then Moses is exhausted. Nobody's satisfied. But in this, he says, all these people will go home satisfied. So here's the key thing. What does Moses do? Moses is like, no way. Who are you to come and tell me? Ever since I got married, all you've been doing is just saying these instructions to me. You don't sit here. You don't know these people. You don't know how dumb they are. They don't know the scriptures. I've tried to teach them, but they won't do it. Like, he could have replied like that. It's been very Jersey or New York to do. <laughs> so what, what does Moses do? He says this. It says, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all of Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided for themselves. Moses stopped doing everything. And the key to doing that was being told that something was wrong, something was not in place, and then listening to it. The key to stopping is a huge part of your story and my story. Yeah, we want to bring God alongside of us. He, he wants to bring you in your giftings. A lot of times we think, well, surrendering my life to God and following his story means I've got to live like a hermit or some kind of weird, I don't know, like go to a monastery or nunnery, whatever it may be. We think that like our lives can't be normal, but that's not true at all. 
He's given you desires that you long for. He, the job and the things that you long to pursue, the things that you're passionate about, that's part of a story that he wants to weave through your life. Where you're at right now, with your struggles, with the joys, all that. He comes into our normal lives and leads us. And so we start something, but it ultimately will lead to him giving instruction to you and wisdom that we must be able to receive and hear that, hey, there's something that needs to stop. Moses stopped everything. And there are reasons to stop. I want to give you a couple quick reasons to stop. The first one is this, is you don't know what you're missing. When you are going and going and doing things, especially doing destructive things in your life that are not good, you do not see what you're missing. You are incapable of seeing it until it, it, it ends in your life. And when you begin to, to stop a bad habit, and you might not even know what you need to stop yet until you have others in your life that can point it out, like Moses had. And when you begin to stop it, you'll begin to see something on the other side that's significant. You didn't realize how exhausted you were, how emotionally depleted you were, and how much you were going off of adrenaline or, or a, a physical problem that you had. Suddenly, you might have time. You, you stop work for a little bit each week. You, you take what we call a Sabbath, a break. And you're like, oh, there are people that I know. I can call them. I can go outside and then sit by a lake, and I forgot how much I enjoyed that. I forgot this hobby that I had. Like, there's just things that aren't happening that you need. You don't know what you're missing. You can't see it until you stop. And the second thing is you don't know what it will cost you if you don't stop. You don't know what it will cost you if you don't stop. Just think about, let's play Moses' story from the other anger. What if, what if he had not stopped? I mean, you could tell. It says everybody was exhausted. It was, it was frustrating. Nobody was happy. I mean, he would have eventually had a nervous breakdown. There's no way anybody could sustain that long term. Maybe Moses had been praying to God on the side saying, God, I don't know, how, how do we get through this? How, how, this is awful. Like, I mean, I'm sure Moses wasn't looking forward to those days. It was like, here we go, it's judgment day. <laughs> and he's like gearing himself up. There's no way your emotions could handle something like that long term. He would have broken down. He would eventually probably quit, be like, God, you got to put something else. I know you put me here, but this is it. And he probably would have been really angry at God, blaming it on him over his foolish decisions, being like, oh, well, you put me in charge here. I'm walking away. What kind of God would do this? He could just walk away from them. And there's a good chance that you've experienced that and done that in your life as well. Think about where your life is going. You have your intentions, but what's the actual direction that you're pointed in? And begin to play this story forward. In your life, play the story forward. Where's this going? Who are you becoming? If you continue down this path, what will it lead you to? What are you missing out on? What are you not seeing because of whatever it is? And this can be anything and everything. It can be, it can be you're a workaholic. 
Or you're not paying attention to your soul. You've got heart issues. Like you've got, you've got things from your past that you're not dealing with. You're just ignoring pain. You need to stop ignoring that. Maybe you've got overeating or you smoke or you're using over-the-counter meds or looking at porn or you're criticizing your spouse or significant other or you keep overspending, drinking too much. Maybe it's just as simple as you're, I don't know, you're, you're watching TV too much. So I'm going to ask you these questions I ended with last week again, and we'll end here. And this, the first one is this, is what does God want you to want? Remember, you have this amazing Father who loves you. He has your best intentions in mind. He wants to lead you towards life, towards joy. He, may, he just says, I want you to have life that you may have it to the full. So we can know how deep and how wide and how beautiful his story is in you. What does God want you to want? And until you begin to bring him into your story, you won't know that. But he's gifted you and knows you in a way that you, you don't even, you can't even imagine. So let's begin to answer that in our story. And then the second question today is, what does God want you to stop? What does he want you to stop? I think you know, I think there are things that come to your mind. You can't do this alone. We need our loving Father. Go back to last week, start. Just come before him and pray. Write down a couple prayers and do that each day. Make it simple that you daily are beginning to engage him. Read the scriptures. Reach out to me. I'd love to suggest things for you. Whatever you need to do. And then what are we going to stop? Let's begin to change the story. Our world needs us. We may think God is not in this. We, we look at injustices happening. We look at political turmoil. We look at natural disasters. We look at economic hardship. And we might say, where is God in this? Well, he is working like he always has been. And so downtown community church, let's go for it. Let's not shrink back, but let's trust God with this story because he wants to use you. He wants to use us as a church family to love this city in small ways. Let's engage him. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for who you are. God, I pray today that we would trust you. Jesus, I need to hear this. And I know that those who are watching and listening today and here with us in person also need to hear this. Father, we pray that we would not be afraid, but know that you are working a story in our lives. God, I pray for the faith to trust you. We love you and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.